It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. It was qualifying day at the Russian Grand Prix today, and that's the subject for our latest bite-sized podcast, where we've got a lot to pack in because it was an incident field session. The main action happened in Q2, where Mercedes found itself in an unusually pressurised position as it tried to get through the middle segment on the medium tyres to gain a strategic advantage for the race's opening stint. Valtteri Bottas had to have a second run as he was already vulnerable to times improving with track evolution after his first go, while Lewis Hamilton had his first lap deleted for running wide at the final corner. His second lap was then disrupted by Sebastian Vettel crashing his Ferrari and causing a red flag, with Hamilton then only making it around to start his timed lap when the session restarted with a second to spare. But he did make it through to Q3 despite all that drama, he duly took his 96th F1 career pole, while Bottas was ultimately pushed off the front row by Red Bull's Max Verstappen, who stunned Mercedes with his final Q3 lap. And that's not all the intrigue at the front, because Mercedes had to send Hamilton back out at the very end of Q2 on the softs. Bottas and Verstappen will start the race on the mediums, which means the world champion will be vulnerable in the first stint, as well as on the long run, to turn one. So, joining me to discuss all of that, and much more still, is Autosports F1 reporter Luke Smith. Well, Luke, that was an unusually riveting session, considering it nevertheless ended with a Mercedes on pole position. Uh, What did you make of the chaos? I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, as you say, I think it was a a very, very exciting qualifying session, unusually so for Sochi. It's a track that I think is much, much maligned, I think. Uh, Even myself and JBL on the Friday podcast were sort of talking about how terrible it is for the most part but actually qualifying today really did deliver I thought it was lots of intriguing storylines coming out of it Um, I think that jeopardy and that drama we saw surrounding Mercedes in Q2 
we never see them miss a beat normally. So to see that kind of to see that kind of pressure be put on them, although it wasn't self induced, because obviously they could never foresee the red flag coming. That I think was really, really fascinating to see. And I think it's actually set up quite a tantalising race for tomorrow, which uh, I will say with bated breath, given it is Sochi and it is the Russian Grand Prix, given it's a historical record. But I think there's uh, reasons to be optimistic. Yeah, well, I I agree with you there, but I disagree with you on whether Mercedes put itself under pressure. I don't think the team did. I think it's drivers put them under pressure because Lewis Hamilton was very, very fast on his first run on the mediums in Q2, but he goes just just too wide at the final corner and that meant his time was deleted. Valtteri Bottas just wasn't fast enough. He left himself, as I said, vulnerable to the track evolution is what the team was saying while they had to send him out again. So no, of course they couldn't have uh, foreseen what happened with the, with the red flag, but that only cost Hamilton. Bottas still managed to get through. But yeah, it was... It was an unusually scrappy session for the team. I think that they still they still reacted as well as they could. I think they probably maximised everything that they could. But there were certain bits where you could hear them as well over the radio. Lewis Hamilton and, and Pete Bonington not disagreeing, but Mercedes having to be quite firm with Hamilton and say, no, we can't do X, Y, Z because there are very good reasons. And we've got confirmation of why those things happened. Because Luke, you went to Toto Wolff's uh, remote Zoom call press conference. What was the explanation? Because basically um, Hamilton came on the radio even after his time had been deleted and said, I want to carry on going. I've got the medium tyres on. Why can't I? Why can't I stay out? Essentially, um, I wanted to get a banker lap in because just in case something mad happened as it, as it ended up doing. But he couldn't do that. And what was Wolff's reason why? Uh, simply because they didn't have the fuel in Lewis Hamilton's car. They'd only fueled him for one time lap. And a similar thing happened in Q1 where he had his first lap time deleted. But because there was enough fuel in the car to go for another push lap, he was able to do that. And basically it didn't cause any kind of similar issue. This time around, though, as you say, running on the medium tyre, you are already susceptible to losing time compared to the soft runners. Therefore, you're obviously going to run that car a lot lighter than you perhaps normally would and never envisage having to go for a banker lap. So they only had enough fuel in the car for one time lap, which is why Hamilton, despite his pleas saying, look, keep me out, let me go for another lap. They simply couldn't because there just wasn't any fuel in the car. So that was kind of forced basically on on Mercedes' hand that they had put everything on Lewis, nailing that one lap. And unfortunately, as you said, ran a little bit wide at turn 18. And that meant that his lap time was scrubbed and then ultimately put them under pressure. Yeah, it wasn't the only bit of uh, pleading that Hamilton ended up doing, as we'll come on to. But you mentioned the uh, the Q1 incident because that that came up um, after the race in the press conference. There was a little bit of confusion about what was going on because Hamilton was actually summoned to see the stewards over the fact that he had uh, basically cut the, cut the curbs uh, early on in, in Q1 is right at the very 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 start of the session the, the reason for the confusion in the press conference was simply that he had come straight from doing his TV interviews hadn't seen the bulletin obviously hadn't gone to see the stewards there um, but yeah he it, essentially uh, that happened to a lot of drivers it was interesting talking to, uh, to t- some of the uh, senior engineers after the session um, basically the, the wind turned around almost 180 compared to FB3 so there was a big tailwind charging into the first big stop at, at turn two caught out a lot of drivers you know they, they suddenly had to completely uh, refine their uh, their braking points and things like that and, and Williams's George Russell we saw at the very very start of the session just go out there get a sight and lap on the mediums the team said he had absolutely no intention of setting a time on those he just wanted to understand what had changed uh, and it worked out very well for him they said that that absolutely contributed to him getting into into Q2 for the first time since the Belgian Grand Prix but Hamilton uh, Luke no further action taken from the stewards yeah, in the end, so it's the same for uh, Nicholas Latifi, Kevin Magnussen and Roman Grosjean. They were all investigated for the same thing as well. 
track limits of Sochi, it's always been a thing because there's sort of endless runoff area, basically. And uh, they issued instructions on Thursday, as we've seen in previous years in Sochi. They've got the orange bollard set out at turn two, so that if you miss the curb and miss the apex, you have to sort of take this escape route to make sure you don't gain an advantage and safely rejoin the track at turn three. The stewards deemed that Hamilton, nor any of the other drivers mentioned, they had not done that properly. They had not taken that escape route. Uh, They did investigate it. They did talk to the drivers, deemed that no advantage should be gained. Therefore, there was no point giving them a penalty because there was nothing to really sanction. They all rejoined the track safely, so that's all okay. And they were reminded that if you were to do this in the race tomorrow, you would land a five-second time penalty, which they all acknowledged. So, yeah, a slap on the wrist, uh, just something for them to bear in mind, really. But in the end, it wasn't enough to spoil the party for Hamilton. No, no, it's interesting. You, you, you sense that the 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 reason why they were all summoned and the decision was given, even if it was no further action, was that they wanted to make it clear about it's the race that matters. Because obviously their times were deleted in Q1, and that you know it's not like it had a, an effect on the session result. Uh, but yeah, Luke, coming back to to the end of uh, Q2 and Lewis Hamilton pleading, because I I went along to the uh, to the remote um, uh, top three official FIA press conference and and I asked Hamilton about first of all about the communication that was going on between the him and the team. He mentioned that certain points you know he felt I think he was referring to himself more about a little bit of panic said he had to calm his heart rate down just refocus and go again in Q3 but I said to him you know was there any discussion or sorry I asked him was there any discussion at the end of Q2 where we saw lots of cars go out and wait in the pit lane lots of them were uh, able to turn turn their turn their uh, engines off and sit there for a few minutes doesn't matter you know you're not putting any more stress through the power unit Um, but Mercedes didn't do that and when they did come out, Hamilton was on the softs, which has, as we've said, created a very, very intriguing start to the race tomorrow. What was Toto Wolff's reason for why Hamilton couldn't come back out on the mediums that he was? He said he was pleading, pleading with the team uh, in the press conference that to try and run those yellow wall tyres. So he called it a necessary safeguard. He said it was important to basically get as much pace as possible on the car to ensure that if there was a slight mistake or anything that he wouldn't be caught out or wouldn't drop out in Q2. The uh, session restarted with 2 minutes 15, I believe, on the clock. And they said they didn't want to fit mediums on the car, send them to the front of the pit lane queue and just wait for it to go green because that would then make the tyres cold. And basically they just wanted to have as many bullets in the gun to make sure he could get through. And as you said, that has really compromised things for the race tomorrow. It's something that Toto Wolf himself recognised uh, I asked him and I said how much of a challenge does this make for you guys now that you've got to offset these strategies between Hamilton and Bottas and Toto said really it comes down to where things stand at turn well when they're sort of through turn three and into turn four because obviously we've got the the long long run to turn two that Hamilton has already said he's expecting to get past uh, obviously the cars behind get such a big toe as we saw last year with the Ferraris off the start so I think there is uh, that Mercedes really do have to think about how they play that race tomorrow because normally they've got both both tires, both cars on the same strategy. They're very strict about keeping their drivers on the on the same strategy. We saw that in Jello when they denied Valtteri Bottas the chance to go on an offset strategy. But now they've been forced into it. So I think it's uh, going to create a really fascinating prospect at the front of the pack because all of the drivers wanted to avoid that soft tire, and Lewis Hamilton of all people, he stuck with it. Absolutely, yeah, it's going to be really interesting because. What I said in the pre-event press conference, you know, I asked him like, you know, are you going to try that again? Are you going to say to them, I want the opposite tyres to Lewis? And he said, well, yeah, I'm going to continue on trying to do that. But it's interesting. I don't know whether Mercedes were, they sort of had the decision taken away from them at Mugello in the fact that they saw a safety issue on Bottas's tyres. And that's why they had to bring him in first before Hamilton. And then they were just like, oh, he's ended up on the same tyres. No, it wasn't quite like that, of course, but they put him, ultimately they ended up on the same tyres. Um, but I just want to very quickly go back to another reason why I think Mercedes couldn't send Hamilton out on the mediums and, and wait 
in the queue or, or specifically why they didn't send him out to, to wait in the queue was that basically they said that, the, that their car a lot of a lot of the power units uh, these, these hybrid engines they can start up using the uh, energy recovery systems the Mercedes can't do that um, and interestingly we saw Lance Stroll not make it through to Q3 because he did go out there sat in the sat in the queue with the engine running and I'm just going to read you a quote from uh, Otmar Zafnau the CEO um because basically the, uh, the engine overheated he says um Otmar says unfortunately the power unit was overheating and we asked Lance to switch the car off so yeah that's that's the reason why uh, Stroll was pushed back into the pit lane but it's just interesting to note that the the Mercedes uh, power unit that doesn't have that feature. So anyway, uh, a side note, a little, a little, a little, a little bit of insight with the podcast there. But anyway, let's um, good. Um, anyway, let's go back to qualifying. Um, as you let, let, yeah, let's go. Let's go back to to the race start, as you were saying, Luke. Um, I think this has saved what could have been. I mean, I mean, it still could be a really dull race. It, it, honestly, it could. I think overtaking is going to be very, very hard. Notoriously tough, as uh, Williams uh, uh, Dave Robson put it in his uh, medium session today to overtake. Um, so yeah, it could still be very boring, but with Hamilton starting on a different strategy to Bottas and Verstappen, who's second, he's really up against it now. In fact, that he talked of he's going to have to go away and just try and think if he can do anything with a different strategy to help out. Because basically, Pirelli say the fastest way is to start on the softs and then um, go on to the hards, but the, the softs will wear out faster than the mediums. So eventually there's going to come a point where Verstappen and Bottas will be able to stay with Hamilton and then will be quicker than him as his tyres give up. So it's sort of like, yeah, it's the fastest way for the majority in terms of starting on the soft because that's what you know you ultimately would do. But Mercedes had so much pace in hand, as did Red Bull in the end. They gambled a little bit. They sent Verstappen back out on the softs at the end of Q2, but very, very urgently told him to abort the lap so he could have the strategic advantage. But yeah, do you think that, do you agree with that? Do you think it's potentially saved uh, the, you know, the intrigue at the front? Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's really, really promising. I think we saw last year how exciting it could be when you've got two very evenly matched teams as we had with Mercedes and Ferrari. And I think the tactics Ferrari used at the start, sort of basically trying to slingshot and get the slipstream with their cars to get ahead because they knew how important that would be. Mercedes, I think they will obviously be thinking about that, sort of thinking, well, how can we sort of position our cars and make sure that we don't lose the lead to Max Verstappen and that we do keep both both of our cars and well, hopefully get both of our cars in front but us moving up from third but then I think it also really creates an interesting sort of scenario for them where they are managing well do we want Hamilton in front because he's on the softs and therefore it's better running him in clean air Bottas will obviously run longer if Bottas is leading ahead of Hamilton off the start would they consider sort of putting in team orders and saying Valtteri it's James Lewis on a different strategy let's get him ahead or what I, I don't know I think that is going to be really fascinating to watch and I think that I again I asked Wolf about the challenge and he, he said no like he said I'd, I'd love it if I had both my drivers at the front um with uh, the same tires on and the same strategy he said but that's not the case but we'll manage it and it's all okay but I do think that it could really be a bit of a headache for Mercedes because I think that with Verstappen lurking and it really depends on the race pace like how much he can stick with those cars I think Mercedes have really got to make sure they don't trip over themselves. And as you say, because as that soft stint wears on for Hamilton and his tyres ultimately begin to expire, the medium runners will come back towards him. And then Hamilton, if he pits too early, will he then drop back into traffic? Like, has he got enough time on those on those softs, sorry, to build up enough of a gap to the midfield cars so that he can come out ahead of them in a nice gap in clear air? 
I don't know. So I think I think it's going to be really, really fascinating. And I think it's, as you say, it's given some hope to what is otherwise quite a straightforward race that is normally settled by whoever's leading out of turn two. I think this time around that it could be a real sort of a real slow burner, I think, through the first stint at least. And then once we sort of see uh, where the strategy lies and how things are, I think that may may ultimately decide it. But yeah, there is hope at least. Definitely. Hamilton did uh, raise the suggestion of maybe trying a two-stopper, but then he sort of quickly backtracked on that. So, you know, the, the length of the pit lane, the, the slow pit lane speed limit, it all just, it's not going to mean that. So I think we're fairly safe in assuming it will be a one-stopper. And um, for what it's worth, Max Verstappen sadly has said, you know, he doesn't see it being another 70th anniversary Grand Prix situation where he can has the pace to put the pressure on the Mercedes drivers, even though he's starting ahead of the Mercedes car that is on the better strategy. Um, but with uh, with that, you know, he's still a factor. He's still at, he's still at play there. And I think I think, you know, I think that he was he was just brilliant today. He was totally on it in Q3. And ultimately, Bottas paid the price for that. What, what was your reaction when you saw uh, Verstappen come through in second place? I was very surprised. Like he was talking down his chances completely on Friday, said that it'll be tough for Red Bull to even be third, said that Renault would probably be the team to beat there. And Daniel Ricciardo was very impressive through Friday and Renault looked pretty good in FP3 as well. So then see Verstappen's name, not only pop up sort of, third but second of all places I thought that was a real sort of testament to his performance um, he said it was probably one of his best ever F1 qualifying laps he was very happy with it Christian Horner predictably sort of lauded on the praise as well as one would if you're the team boss of Max Verstappen uh, Toso Wolf he said about Valtteri Bottas said that he just didn't feel quite as comfortable with the car as he had done through Friday's running obviously Bottas set the pace in FP1 and FP2 and then said that after struggling a bit in FP3 and qualifying, said he sort of then fell back a little bit more as well. So I think that's uh, definitely something that Mercedes will want to get to the bottom of. And ultimately, you've got one car on pole position by half a second. Valtteri Bottas has been, he's been in really good qualifying form recently. Let's give him credit where it's due. He's always been sort of within a tenth of Hamilton at the majority of the races of late. So for him to be so far off today, I think that maybe does point to not him not quite feeling comfortable with where things were in qualifying. But that really shouldn't take anything away from Max Verstappen because, yeah, a really mighty display to split those Mercedes. And I think he'll uh, be hoping he can sort of hang on to their coattails at the start of the race tomorrow. Definitely. Just on, on Verstappen, he reckoned that uh, some changes that Red Bull made going into Q3 really paid dividends. So fair play for them. Um, on Bottas, uh, I think I think you're right, Luke. I think that gap is is pretty unusual considering we've seen the sort of qualifying form of the two Mercedes drivers lately. Um, um, and it's just, it, 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 there's two things. One, this is another opportunity where Lewis Hamilton is on the back foot and Bottas hasn't capitalised. But Hamilton is has historically been very good at being able to lock away things that are going badly and refocus and come out and and, and deliver at the, at the very end of qualifying. However, with, with Bottas, as you say, I think there were a lot of factors in terms of, you know, why things didn't quite go right today for him. As we mentioned, you know, the wind turning around, uh, you know, into, into qualifying compared to what it was in the, all, in all three of the practice sessions that caught out a lot of drivers, as you said, contributed to the, uh, to the, to the cars at the start going off across turn two. Um, but also, you know, there's just the factor of that, that, that can't be underestimated is that there isn't a lot of running, um, this weekend. There's no Formula Three. There's no other support series. And that Sochi track is, is very rarely used anyway. So it's a very low grip surface it is sort of changing the asphalt is becoming rougher so Williams was saying that uh, it's gone you know it's almost a more normal surface than what it was like when it came on the calendar in 2014 that famous race where Nico Rosberg basically did uh, you know the whole race on one set of tyres after locking up at the, at the very start or uh, you know, it was the second set of course but it's just interesting that 
basically that's what catches out the drivers you know the track is also changing naturally there's bumps appearing where before it was ultimately uh, really really smooth and and you know maybe that all just conspired on on Bottas this afternoon and um, but we are we are racing through what is supposed to be a bite-sized podcast league so I wondered if you if you if you'd picked out any other stars of qualifying I think Sergio Perez was very impressive again for racing point you mentioned that Lance Troll didn't make it through Q2 due to the engine issue but even though he's running without the upgrades on his car this week. And I think Perez has been absolutely on it for Racing Point. I think really good on a weekend where we had the comment he made on Thursday about the team sort of hiding things from him and obviously questions about his future and where he's going to be next year. And I think after Stroll really having all the momentum at Racing Point recently, I think Perez did brilliantly today uh, to be P4 on the grid. So I think, yeah, massive props there for him. Um, I thought... I thought George Russell as well, again, another great display to get back into Q2. He, he said, ah, uh, oh, Q2, I've missed you over the radio. It's quite quite a nice comment. And uh, yeah, a really sort of mighty lap to, to get through. I think he's, again, just proving time and time again that he's, he's such a future star. And really, a lot of people on Twitter, for example, saying afterwards, like, it's such a shame seeing him at Williams. And like, if he was in a top car, what would he be doing? And you're kind of inclined to think the same after performances like today. So uh, yeah, I would probably pick out uh, Perez, and, Perez and Russell as my other, other two stars of qualifying. Was there anyone else? who caught your eye the other obvious one is Daniel Ricciardo getting the Renault up to uh, to fifth but had he replicated his Q2 lap in Q3 he would have beaten Perez to P4 so I understand that when our colleague Jonathan Noble asked this uh, pointed this out to Daniel Ricciardo in his press conference he got a uh, jokingly uh, single digit response uh, into the zoom into the into the camera on the laptop but obviously we know what Ricardo's like when it comes to interviews but yeah still still a good lap though still a good lap it's just it's like it's it's, tip, it's it's not typical it's just it's one of those things with Renault that they've shown a lot of potential on Fridays and then haven't have just just missed out um, when it comes to Saturday form and then obviously that has a knock-on effect in the race I mean they were very good in Belgium that didn't happen they were they sort of won it all weekend but yeah it's just interesting there and uh, Noted yesterday, they were deliberately not getting carried away with Ricardo finishing second and third in practice because they were very aware that this could happen. But still, nevertheless, a very good result for Ricardo and for Esteban Ocon as well. Uh, now, just looking at my script, we were, I was going to ask you next about what sort of race we were going to look forward to, but we've covered that fairly well, Luke, I think. So let's end uh, on a downward note for the team in question. And it's it's more misery for Ferrari, as you said, Sebastian Vettel crashed at turn four, brought out the red flags. That means he starts fifteenth. But there was, it was, you know, that sort of that. That's one thing. He, he clipped the curb. He crashed. That's an obvious uh, um, issue for Ferrari and for what happened. Clearly, he crashed. Uh, but it was Charles Leclerc getting knocked out in eleventh and not making it through to Q three that sort of almost caught the eye more because he seemed to be particularly frustrated at what the what had gone on there and how the team arranged itself and his final laps in in Q two. So yeah, what was the what what was what was Leclerc particularly annoyed about, Luke? Uh, so he wasn't pleased about the gap to uh, Esteban Ocon. He said that he was uh, he was basically asking about the margin to Ocon and they said, oh, you sort of got one or two seconds. So that was sort of like putting him under a little bit of pressure and sort of thinking, well, I need to really like push on and, and where he was placing his car and all of that. But in the end, it turned out to be a bigger gap. So he said he, he felt quite angry, quite emotional after the session. We obviously heard him sort of yelling over team radio uh, when he found out that he'd been knocked out. So I think that he was, uh, once he's calmed down a little bit, probably understand it a bit more. Ferrari said, they said after the session that Leclerc had the pace to get through to Q3. They need to understand why. That uh, seems to be square on them and uh, with Vettel as well they said that the crash has uh, left his car with considerable damage so it's going to be interesting to see the the repairs that they'll need to complete ahead of the race tomorrow but uh, yeah another downward day I think that after looking at practice on Friday Ferrari were looking maybe a little bit better than they have been at recent races uh, and then to resign themselves to another double Q2 knockout it's uh, a bit of a disappointing day for them. 
Yeah, I think they'll be uh, kicking themselves for not making it through to Q3. Uh, just incidentally, I, I assume Leclerc is is annoyed about that sort of that that gap and the way he had to push on ahead of Ocon starting his lap because basically tire preparation is so key uh, to getting a good to getting a good time at Sochi. You know, we've seen that with the Mercedes drivers. Um, uh, uh, Dave Robson at Williams explained very well that George Russell was sort of running in the in the middle part of Q2 by himself. He was only ever going to set one time, so they opted to go when there was no one else on the track, and it just meant he'd get the tire preparation absolutely perfect because the key is basically to be starting sector three and have the tyres just going past their best at that point because there's so much time to be found uh, in the slower corners at the very end of the lap. So we presume that's what Leclerc is annoyed about. Well, Luke, we have blown right by our usual time limit for a bite-sized episode, but I think that's fully justified in uh, in what was a very interesting and uh, action-packed session. So thank you very much for coming on tonight's episode and thanks to everybody else listening along. Now, just before we go, we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out on Thursday and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents, as well as on the doormats of subscribers. There'll be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday, packed full of news, analysis and the usual stunning photography. And of course, if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport podcast. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, you can get boosted deposits by 57% up to $1,000 on the Gambit DC app and up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost at Gambit DC retail locations. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the home field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.